We are continuing in our series of the book of Acts, and we're up to Acts chapter 2, and we're looking at verses 1 to 12 today. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they said to one another, what does this mean? Okay, this is the great and glorious day of the Spirit. Holy Spirit comes to uh, rest on and uh, the believers of the church, we were promised by John the Baptist that uh, the Holy Spirit would come and baptise his people, which is exactly what is happening on this day. Now, just to give you a context, just maybe you you might wonder about the whole story, uh, of the New Testament sort of starts when Jesus was born. And then after Jesus was born, he ministered uh, uh, and he taught the people and he did wondrous signs which proved that he was the Son of God that proved that he was the promised Messiah, and then he was crucified. And we know that he was crucified for our sins. They didn't know that at the time, but they, but they understood that after the Spirit came. Then he was put in the tomb, and three days later he rose from the dead. That doesn't happen. right? Jesus was raised from the dead, He is still alive today, but where is he? Well, after a a time of a a few weeks, I'm not quite sure how many days exactly, uh, he appeared to a number of the believers, up to 500 at one time. And then uh, he went up the hill with the disciples and he was taken up before them and he ascended to the right hand of God, where he now sits or stands, ruling over all things. That's the story up till now. But before he went, just before he went, he said, I want you all to wait in Jerusalem until the gift that I promised comes to you, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's that's, uh, what Jesus promised, which is basically, as Ned preached to you a few weeks ago, that's how the book of Acts is understood. The book of Acts is really the acts of the Holy Spirit in the believers. Right. So they're waiting in Jerusalem and um, 
It comes up to a festival. There was three Jewish festivals a year. Uh, the Passover, the other one, which I can't remember now, and, and the Festival of Pentecost, also called the Festival of Weeks, because it was seven weeks or 50 days after the Passover. So we're now 50 days after Jesus was crucified. And what that uh, Pentecost, because they, they celebrated Pentecost before the Spirit came, but they didn't celebrate it because of the coming of the Spirit. They celebrated it for two different reasons. Firstly, it was a harvest thanksgiving. Uh, they gave thanks to God, particularly for the barley harvest. And so the people gathered, they'd bring offerings to God of barley and giving thanks to him because they knew that he'd given them everything. The second reason that um, they, had, uh, they celebrated on Pentecost was the covenant that was given to Moses at Mount Sinai when God gave the law. So they celebrated the giving of the law. Now, why would I tell you all that? Because it was the Holy Spirit who fulfilled both of those things. And if you haven't known, on the, the, there was 120 Christians in the world on the day of Pentecost in the morning. And by a couple of hours later, there was 3,000. That's pretty good percentages, isn't it? Yep. Um, there was a harvest. The harvest came by the Holy Spirit. And from that moment, the church began to grow. You uh, find out a, a couple chapters later, it says they were gathering every day in the temple to hear Peter and the other apostles speak and said there was about 5,000 then. The growth kept going. All by the Holy Spirit. But what has the giving of the law got to do with the coming of the Spirit? Well, actually, you see, the problem of the old covenant, the covenant given to Moses, was that they were given a law that they couldn't obey. Who here, put up your hand if you've obeyed all of the law of God. Well, you're all in trouble, aren't you? Yeah? No one could obey the law of God. And so the Holy Spirit came and he actually does two things. We promised in Jeremiah 31 that when the, when the Spirit comes in the New Covenant, he would write the law of God on their hearts. No longer would you need to teach one another law because all of them, from the greatest to the least, would know my law, and not only would they know my law, they would know the Lord. That's what the Holy Spirit did when he came. He wrote the law of God on our hearts that we might know him. And, wait, there's more. It's not steak knives. It's even better than that. Not only would they know the law of God and know him, but also... The Holy Spirit, it says, would move them to be careful to follow my decrees and keep my laws. The Holy Spirit would move them to obedience. So the Pentecost celebration of the law is fulfilled by the coming of the Spirit. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, I guess it means if the law is written on the hearts, but particularly of, of believers, we can never really say, well... You know how you know you plead ignorance. I didn't know that was the law. Uh, 
can't get away with that anymore, can you? The laws on our hearts. We know the leading of the Holy Spirit. We know what's right and wrong. Is that true? Yes. We might fight against it sometimes, but we know. From the day, uh, if you had a a great conversion in your life, you would know that one day you were happily sinning, thinking this is fine, and then the next day you go, I can't do that, that's horrible, that's wrong. That's the Holy Spirit writing the law of God on our heart and giving us a conscience that listens to that law and knows when we're obeying or disobeying. But what Jesus has done... Firstly, before the coming of the Spirit, is he died to take away all of our sins so that we would be holy. And if we were holy, then we are fit to receive the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Which is pretty good. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John 14 and 16, as we talked about at the camp, uh, the Holy Spirit comes and reveals to us the truth of who Jesus is, of what he's done, and the truth of God the Father. The Holy Spirit does that. That's awesome because you can't know God without the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? Unless the Holy Spirit first comes to you and tells you the truth and reveals it to your heart, or as our friend John Scriven says, um, unless the Holy Spirit comes and turns the switch on, mate, the lights aren't going to come on. Right? Until the Holy Spirit turns the switch on, there will be no repentance, there will be no faith, there will be no trust in the Lord Jesus. But when he comes, we know God himself, we know his law, and we love him. That's what happens when you receive the Holy Spirit. Is it a good thing to be baptised with the Holy Spirit? In light of that, it is indispensable. There is nothing better than to know the Holy Spirit. And then as the Holy Spirit starts working in us, we go back to that uh, verse in chapter 1, verse 8 of Acts, where it says, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses. Does anyone know what the Greek word for witness is? Martyr. You will be my martyrs. Now, it didn't necessarily at that time mean you were all going to die for your faith. But it meant that it just that meant you bear witness regardless. So you will be my witnesses. You will bear witness to what? The truth of who God is, of Jesus the Son, of God the Father. And you see, you know, well, the, my first point, which I didn't tell you at start, is simply this: when the Holy Spirit comes, first comes truth to the believer, the truth of who God is the truth of his law, and in that truth we know him and we love him and haven't been forgiven. We are God's children. The second thing that happens is that we go to the nations, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But you see, the Holy Spirit is completely consistent with God because he is God. He has no different character and no different will to God. He is God. True? That sounds like a silly point. Lots, lots of people trip up on that. They think the Holy Spirit's a slightly different character than God the Father. Maybe a bit nicer or something. They have the same character. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, actually, if you've seen the Holy Spirit, you've seen the Father too. And if you know the Holy Spirit, you've also seen the Son, because that's who he reveals. Okay, the Holy Spirit is holy. Holy. Now, holy is a word 
sorry, I'm, I'm going for basics here, but we've got to get this. Holy is a word which we find tra- hard to define. Often we, we define holy by the negative. What does holy mean? No sin. No darkness. No, nothing wrong. Yep. But holy means absolutely pure and, again, absolutely consistent with God. God never changes. God never lies. God never sins. You know that? If God never sins, do you know that he'll never sin against you? That's pretty good, isn't it? Just in case you're worried that he might be secretly wanting to take you out. Yeah? God is holy. His character is perfect. And and so the Holy Spirit is absolutely in accordance with God right from the beginning because he is God. And the Holy Spirit gives to believers holiness. We become holy when we receive the Holy Spirit. Pure. So that we can know God and be witnesses to the truth. Which is the second part of this. We become witnesses to the nations. As we speak, as the Holy Spirit moves in us, we speak of Jesus And the Holy Spirit takes our speaking of Jesus and actually uses it to penetrate hearts and other people come to know Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't know God. I'll say that again. And without the Holy Spirit, you can't bear witness to the truth of who God is. The character of God can't be known without the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit makes God known and all who trust in Jesus... And uh, you'll notice that in, um, in, as we go on, in, if you read on, uh, who knows Jesus there? Uh, it says men and women have received the Holy Spirit. Young and old received the Holy Spirit. And then immediately, uh, as our passage says today, from every race, from every tribe, from all over the world. And the Holy Spirit is the same to all people, meaning, if we take Janice here, I'm not sure how old she is, maybe a bit older than some people here. Janice has the same Holy Spirit than, I'm sorry, I'm going to pick someone young, Heather. Um, Same Holy Spirit. Both of those can know the truth of God fully because the Holy Spirit is in both of those. But if you go to Bible college like me, well, you're just going to know a whole lot more. No, no, no. That's not true. Same Holy Spirit. In fact, sometimes a bit more knowledge kind of puffs up. Is that what the Bible says? And might cloud some issues. Same Holy Spirit, same scripture available to all. And the most important things of God to know Christ to know the Father, come by the Holy Spirit to all believers. There is no distinction. There is no favourites. You get that? All receive the Spirit when they believe in Jesus. And there is no class. There is no castes, you know. There's no levels of knowing God. There is children of God and not children of God. That's it. Okay. And the same revelation of who God is is available to all. 
So we begin with 120 people. They're gathered in Jerusalem, as Jesus told them to. They're at a festival, and people have come from, as far as they're concerned, all over the world. And they've come from pretty, pretty wide. They've come from Rome, it says. That's a long way to the west of Jerusalem. I, I don't know. That's got to be 1,000, 1,500 k's. They've come from not just Egypt, but around in Libya, down, well down into Africa. They've come uh, from Mesopotamia, so that's what, what we have, might call Iraq and Iran today, over that Persia, over that way. And they've come from the north. They've come all together. Now, and it makes the point, some of these are Jews and some of these are converts to Jews. In other words, don't think this is just Jewish people who've wandered off and they all come home. This also includes a whole lot of people who are natives of, say, Mesopotamia who have come to the Jewish faith and they've come. Or people from Libya and Egypt who have come and, and uh, become converts to, to not Christianity in this case, but to Jewishness. And so they are actually people from all over the world with their own languages. that They don't speak English as a first language. We know when we speak to Tao and Tendai that English is just not their first language. Is that true? And that causes some problems sometimes. But they can speak English. And most of the people who came would have had some of the local dialect. But that's not the same. Hearing me speak in English is just not the same as your native language. Is that true? You hear that and you're just, you're home. So they're all gathered and suddenly... This thing happens, there's a, a, a sound of rushing wind. It doesn't say that, you know, the wind was rushing through the place and the paper's blowing around or anything. But there was a sound, you know, like that sound of the wind on a, on a windy north wind and you hear it whistling through the building. And they're all gathered and suddenly there's this sound, the breath of God. And... It's like if you've ever watched a fire, there's like, you know how the, you've got the main base, but there's licks, licks, tongues, that's what they call <laughs> in this case, and tongues, and they and it, and it spread out and rested maybe on top of a person, maybe, I, I don't know, just said it rested on them, these flames. They were filled with the holiness of God. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Their sins have been forgiven. And they were filled with the power of God. And a very strange thing happens. It seems to be involuntary. They start, 120 of them, all of them speaking in different languages. And there's quite a commotion. And it's like they spill out into the streets and everybody else is coming for a gawk. What's going on here? And, and what they found is each person can hear praises being said to God and the truth of Christ and the truth of God in their own language. And they're going, what's this? These people are from Galilee. You know, that's kind of two, 100 k's to the north and they already speak weird. But what, what is this? They, I don't think they even knew what they were saying themselves, really. But everybody there could hear them speaking in their own language, praising God as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Awesome, hey? It's actually a, it's a winding back of a great division which happened earlier in the Bible. But, you know, if you live in Australia in the last 
few weeks, you probably think of a great division that goes on. But there is only one way that races and people and tribes and tongues and nations can be brought together through the reconciliation that comes through Jesus Christ. Do you get that? One way. And when he reconciles them, he reconciles them good, proper, fully. We don't need to talk politics, but that's it. But what had happened, you see, in Genesis chapter 11, after um, the sin had entered the world, the people got, to be- got together at a place called Babel and they said, hey, we're going to build a tower that reaches to heaven. We're going to be like God. We're going to be- we can do anything we want. And God sends them a division and it comes in the form of language. And language and culture are, are linked very closely. You know, a person's language is their culture. It, it's part of their being. When you go and hear your own language, you, you're home, if you know what I mean. And, and so the people uh, were split up at, at the Tower of Babel. And they settled and they moved out across the earth and, and formed their own groups. There was divisions. It's a tragedy, isn't it? It's because they wanted to be like God. They wanted to be God. They wanted to be better than God. It's funny, they built this tower that reached the sky and it says, and when God came down and looked, what's that puny little thing down there? But anyway, um, he, he divided them up. But in Genesis chapter 12, the next promise is to Abraham. God calls Abraham and, and he says, his last promise to him is, and through you, all the people of earth will be blessed. All the people of earth. And then from Abraham comes his grandson Jacob, who gets, becomes Israel. And Israel are to proclaim the Lord's name across the earth. They don't do it very well. And sometimes God says they profaned his name. But that's what they're there for, to proclaim his name. And then through Israel came the Saviour, who is Jesus. And he was the saviour of the world and then came Pentecost. The restoration of the curse of the languages. There's one language left, the language of the spirit, and they all hear in their own tongues the praises of God. It's like they might all be speaking different languages, but there's one message as God reunites the people of this world. His believers. So there's a bringing back together. And there's no longer a division based on race. Christians are drawn in love from different languages, different cultures around the world by the Holy Spirit. And they receive his truth, his character, his holiness. Okay. And then one day, the truth came to Australia. Yeah. Maybe before we were born, properly, all of us. But you see, um, I have to say this, right, because uh, we, get, we can get a bit confused because we think the Western world's everything. This, this book here is written in English. I've been reading to you in English, okay? Do you know English wasn't invented? There, there was no English on the day of Pentecost. English wasn't invented till about 700 AD, about another 700 years. Just in case you think that God's English-speaking and why. Okay? Uh, I don't think any of the people gathered that day 
were either of those two. You see, um, what, what happened is that from there, there was a spreading out and it came fruit persecution. We'll talk about that in a sec. But there was a spreading out of the truth of God driven by the Holy Spirit to the nations. Um, in the, I think it was the 1900s, uh, they decided to send missionaries to India. And when the, they arrived in India, they found a church. And they found that Thomas, one of the disciples, had actually gone to India. That's a long way from Israel, eh? No one kind of knew that before that happened. Isn't that cool? The Holy Spirit drove people. And, and you see, there have been different times. There's been a rise and fall of nations as, as uh, certain nations become... Uh, they have revivals. People become Christians. But before that, actually, what often happens is there's a persecution. Everybody hates Christian denomination. And there's this growth of a kind of a battle. And then, and then suddenly, maybe a president or a prime minister or a king or someone becomes a Christian. And then says, right, now we're all going to be Christian. And what happens there is the fire dies down straight away. Because everything becomes institutionalised and assumed... And then the country, the churches sort of die off. You know, the Reformation was a huge revival in, in Europe, and mainly in Germany and Switzerland. And it, it, it's not there today in the same way. But the message went out through them and, and now there are countries around the world where there are great revivals going on. It's not Australia, but that's okay. Because God is always working by his Holy Spirit in this world to proclaim his name. And there is one message. And it will go on. It will never fail. The church will never fail because the Holy Spirit will always proclaim Jesus Christ to this world through his believers. So even if you sometimes think, gee, the church is getting a bit weak, don't worry too much. Right? Jesus is Lord of the church. The Holy Spirit is going out. The church will never fail. It will always grow. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, sometimes what happens, you see, is a nation like, such as England becomes Christianised and then they... You know when they was, the English nation was spreading out of the earth? They said, God is British. That's what they said. God is British. Uh, he's not. <laughs> I mean, he is, but he's every other nation as well. You understand what I'm saying? Um, there is no tribe or nation or tongue or race which is better than any other because God made them all and he made them all in his image different but beautiful do you understand and he is about restoring and rebuilding and bringing forgiveness by his Holy Spirit but it comes only by his Holy Spirit through the message of Jesus Christ there's no other way that it can come to this world. So, God loves the people of this world. He loves the different races and languages and cultures. And he will bring about a great future for his people. There's an incredible hope for this world. And uh, at the end of the uh, the passage, both of the prophecy for this in Joel 2, if you want to read Joel chapter 2 when you go home, and the end of Peter's talk, which we'll talk about next week, um, there is this promise 
Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone from where? From wherever. Do you understand? Right across the face of this earth, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. By him. And, just to finish off, at the final time, in, in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it talks about this gathering of people before the throne of God. You've got to picture this. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. We're talking one, two, not too many to count, okay? From every nation, every nation that's in there, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. Here they are all gathered from all over this world. In their own, I, I picture them in their own dress. I picture them, you know, uh, gathered, God's people, gathered before the throne. This is awesome. They were wearing white robes. What's the white robes about? The righteousness of Christ has washed their robes and they are cleansed and they belong to God and there is no sin in them. And they were holding palm branches in their hands as they proclaimed the coming of the King. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's to Jesus. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Can you see this? There is these people from every tribe and tongue and nation and language and they're all singing the same song. Maybe in their own languages. But there is one song of heaven brought by the Spirit as he gathers his people to himself. What was that? This is our God. He will do what he's doing by the power of the Holy Spirit. What's the best thing we could do? I think desire the Holy Spirit, trust in Jesus and be witnesses as he's called us to do because he will use us. He will use us through the words we speak, uh, through the people we see to bear witness to his name in this world, including St George. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. As much as we were undeserving of the forgiveness of sins that came through Jesus, we also are aware we're undeserving of the gift of your Holy Spirit. And yet in your grace and your mercy, you pour your Spirit out on us. We thank you. And we pray that our lives will be lived in obedience to your Spirit as he works within us. I pray that we would not grieve the Spirit, but that we would walk the walk of the Holy Spirit, that we would go on being filled with the Holy Spirit as we live in accordance with your truth. I pray that you would cause us to be witnesses, to bear witness to your name, to the truth of Jesus, your Son, to the truth of your fatherhood. And Father, I pray that through us and through every other believer on this earth that your name would go out all to your glory 
and praise forever and ever. Amen.